Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it. Come on, people. Okay, this is the day. Yeah, yeah this is the day <laughs> that the uh, Lord has made. Come on, bro. I'm not singing. Oh, that was the mo- song that my mom sang to me all the time, waking me up when I was in middle school and elementary school every day. So it's stuck in my head. Absolutely love it. Does she sound like you? No. Yeah. She's probably much better than me. My oh, voice is not awesome. great. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. guys. It's Andrew here. We're back. Shine in delight. Another <laughs> podcast with the group. We're excited. This is Neville. Happy to be here. This is Ro. I, I don't know. Am I supposed to say something else? He's kind of embarrassed by us right now. Very. Yeah. And this is Mallory. I'm back. She's back. From Google. And ready. <laughs> uh, no, I am she, not affiliated been, with she's Google. She's not affiliated with Google. She's been doing some contract work for some other Christian organization, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Ro, you got a little uh, icebreaker for us today? What? Give me a hot take that you have, either biblically related or non-biblically related. Just uh, a hot take. Can you describe hot take? Un- like Unpopular opinions that people normally don't say. Oh, unpopular opinions like in society as a whole? A non-mainstream opinion that seems controversial on first glance. That's Justin a good definition. Bieber is trash. Okay, that, that's a good one. That's oh, a good hot okay. take. Justin Bieber, he's trash. His music <laughs> is trash. His hairline is trash. Starting with a quality topic, I like it. He's a, Christ- he's a Christian now. <laughs> oh, I, I got an easy okay, one for you yeah. there. And then, yeah, CrossFit is the only sport and the best sport. Hot no, take. no, that's no, a hard, hard no. no. Okay, the best sport. Maybe I didn't. Not the only one. There's a ton of other sports out there, but it's definitely the best. How Taekwondo. is it? Describe how it's a sport. Um, it actually involves multiple Olympic sports in there. Wait, Trying to kill let's, yourself. Let's talk about it. Was, we have Olympic weightlifting inside of it, which is an Olympic sport. Wait, Andrew, do you do Hold CrossFit? On. We have gymnastics, <laughs> gymnastics, <laughs> gymnastics in there. Ring muscle ups, muscle ups, things like that. Um, handstands, handstand walks to use in gymnastics. We also have uh, rowing, which is an Olympic sport. We have running, which is an Olympic sport. And there we actually involve some cycling sometimes. I don't think that's an Olympic sport. Actually, they do have an Olympic sport for that, yes. We don't do, we could do triathlons, which is an Olympic sport. We basically incorporate as many sports as possible into one sport because we want to be good at everything that we prepared as possible. I can't say if I do or do not do CrossFit, but I will say it is the best sport. Hot take. <laughs> Y'all should have seen his face when I said, is it a sport? There was just clear. His face is red shock. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a passionate. He's angry. Okay? I'm not angry. Passionate. Wow. Mallory, you got a hot take? I'm trying to think of something. Um, nothing is standing out. I don't know. I got one. Rudy is not an inspirational story. Like Rudy Giuliani? No, not not Giuliani. No. <laughs> that guy's got enough problems right now. No, Rudy the football movie. Oh. That is not an inspirational story. I got motivated by it, so I got inspired. He was a terrible football player, and they gave him, like, pity minutes at the end of a game, and he made one play during a blowout. I mean, he had a terrible college career. Nothing about that is inspirational. I had a terrible college career. No one's making movies about that because it's not inspirational. I haven't seen the movie, actually, so yeah. I'll have to watch it, and I'll get back to you on that hot take. It's yeah. just not, yeah, it's not an inspirational story. Is, well, okay. Is golf really a sport? No. 
It's a social event. Thank you. <laughs> it's very much a social event. With two people. <laughs> Sometimes four. There's not much athletics going on there besides walking. What is the, I was going to say, what's the quote? It's like uh, golf is like a good walk spoiled or something like that. Ooh, wow. wow. She's hating on golf. Sorry for you guys who love that sport. <laughs> um, we'll let you go out there, smoke a cigar, have some drinks, some water. Enjoy get yourselves. Out there five hours hitting it. Trying to get, what, 18 balls and 18 different holes. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll move on. We are Shine Into Light, and today is a special little Q&A session. Right, Nabil? Absolutely, yeah. We've had a lot of people comment in with some great questions yeah. um, based on some of the things that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do. We want to help answer people's questions to the best of our ability. We're Absolutely. not going to say we're going to have all the answers because we don't. Yeah. We'll just do our best to help clarify and to give some ideas. I'm very excited. I actually have a bit of a story, right? So was it not too long ago when I was uh, intimately acquainted with this lady who go to a place and she was like, I don't like you anymore. Wait, so you went on a date and she said, I don't like you anymore? No, 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 like we're actually dating. We, we, oh, we had this relationship oh, yeah, yeah, okay. thing going on and uh, it got to a place where she was like, yeah, I don't like you anymore. Yeah, no, I don't like you anymore. And uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I've been there too. I think a lot of us have been there where we, you know, we like someone, they're like, actually, I don't like you, I don't like you anymore. And you're like, ah, why? Because that's how emotions work sometimes. And there's no commitment outside of marriage. Yeah. It can just be based on fickle emotions that go up and down. Absolutely. One day I like you, one day I don't. Peace yeah. out. So we have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys. So just to, just to recap, just to recap, before we hit record, we were talking about submarines. Then we talk about CrossFit, and then Neville just airs out his dating grievances on air. And so we really get we're really off to a good start. Quality. We're off to a good start here in the booth. Cool. So a friend of mine, Ray from Texas Tech University, um, he had this question where he asked that, hey, are you guys saying, because uh, from the previous episodes, multiple times, we've said that everyone who is not living for God is empty and not living their lives to the maximum. And so he said he has a lady friend who happens to be agnostic, but also who happens to be the happiest person he's ever met. And they've had faith talks occasionally. And this lady clearly has stated that she she's very happy with her life and isn't really concerned in knowing whether there's anything that is re responsible for her happiness on earth or above. She's a fun person. She has lots of fun, works hard, expecting her hard work to pay up. And it always does. Does that mean that she is deluded and uh, is empty or aware and unaware of that emptiness in her? I want to first start off by making a distinction that I think I've made before, and that is that happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness comes from the same word as happening, meaning it's temporary. It's a, it's a moment. It's an emotion. Um, happiness can come and go. Joy, on the other hand, is that fulfilling feeling knowing that you are actually living out your purpose, and it is long-lasting. You can be joyful and sad at the same time. If you've had a bad day but you know that you're working for the Lord, you can be, joy you can be both joyful and sad in that moment. Um, and so it's very possible that this, this, his friend is very happy all the time, but that's just an emotion. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's possible that she hasn't, you know, gone through a serious trial in her life. And I, I, I hope that that continues. Um, I hope that she has a, a long, happy life, but I think that at some point as we get older, we realize there's absolutely nothing that can, that can compare to the joy that we feel in Christ. And even if we have good days, even then it doesn't even compare. I mean, I think some of the happiest moments of my life were when I was the farthest away from God, because, you know, when you're when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're having a good time, yeah, you're happy. I mean, all your friends are there, you know, 
you're having fun, but the next morning when the hangover comes, you're not so happy. And so it, it's really just a matter of, you know, it, it's really just a matter of, of momentary emotion. That makes sense. And so, yeah, if you want to kind of. Well, and to jump in on that, there's also the definition of how are you saying that she's happy? Like, what is she doing in life? What are things that that's that's a measurement of the world, right? And that's also temporary. Like, what is success is defined by now, but, you know, in 10 years, it may be completely different. It's not always how much money you have or, you know, uh, how comfortable in your home are you? you know, there's multiple things. Sometimes it moves into do you have loved ones? Do people, are people going to remember you? You know, what is the impact that you had in your daily life? So I think it has a lot to do with what you're defining as happy and successful and hard work paying up, honestly. Mm, those are great comments. If I was to ask uh, you, Ro, I mean, your day is a nine out of 10 today. Would you nine out of 10? Really, really good day. Would you say you're probably pretty happy? Today's a good day. Yeah. Fridays are good whenever we get to record. So I'm, I'm pretty happy today. Yeah. But on a scale of one to 10, where would you be at? Eight. Okay, hey, yeah. most people like above a seven is probably the threshold. You're like, man, I'm doing pretty good today, pretty happy. Yeah. Um, I would say there's a maximum limit that we can get to by ourselves. So even if I walk around at an eight or nine every single day and me, like, Andrew's just a happy guy. What's going on there? Man, it just, I'm a happy guy. It's just who God created me to be. It's just my environment, how my parents raised me, what's going on there, positive outlook, high energy. Um, but I can never reach my maximum. I can never be all the way filled. And so even we can, we can appear happy and that's okay. And that's a good thing, right? Looking happy on the outside. Um, but part of how we are created um, is to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit as human beings. There is this, uh, I think it's called perichoresis in, in, in the Greek, which is talking about the mutual indwelling of the three parts of the Trinity. Um, intellectual, and we are created to be indwelt by God. Um, and I would say we can't get completely sat up to a 10 out of 10 completely joyful completely filled until we have that indwelling of the holy spirit so i can still be happy i can have a great life i just can't have the full life that god intended it to be um apart from him um and a lot of times and some people live great lives their entire life because they have or, or good happy good lives because they have everything they they think they need um they may have money they may have health they may have wealth um or i said that twice but um money and wealth but they could have these things they, they think they need. They're pretty good overall there. Um, but yet, ultimately, if you look on the eternal side of things, they don't have God and they're missing something there. Because um, I'd, I'd rather live my life at a 4 out of 10 um, from this earth to be in a, a filled up all the way 10 out of 10 for eternity. A little trade-off there. Well, Yeah, and I, I guess at some point, you know, even, even the happiest people who aren't living for Christ, at some point they're going to get to a realization where, you know, maybe they've made a lot of money, they have a great marriage, they have great kids, and then they kind of realize that, you know, when I die, my great, great grandchildren aren't going to know who I am, you know, and, and yeah. it's like, I think some people just realize that we, we become insignificant shortly after we leave this earth. I mean, how many people can name who the president was in 1920? I'm pretty sure it was Calvin Coolidge, but I mean, he was a hundred years ago. <laughs> Ask the question. He's like, how many people, I know the answer, but how many of y'all know the answer? I, I could be wrong on that, but a <laughs> hundred years ago, he was the most powerful person on the planet. Now, probably eight out of 10 Americans have no idea who he is. And so, at, you know, at some point we get hit that wall and we realize that everything we do in the grand scheme of things is kind of meaningless. I mean, even, I hate to, to call him out because it's a private matter, but you know, you had two of the richest men in the world recently who filed for divorce and all the money in the world couldn't, all the money in the world couldn't solve those interpersonal problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, 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 eventually we just get to that point where we realize that it doesn't matter how much money or power or stuff we accumulate. Yeah. 
through. I mean, you know, we look on the outside, we're very much in a social media day where we see the best of everyone's life. And you're like, oh, they're super happy all the time. But yet, what is it like when they're alone, you know, by themselves at their house alone? How do they feel? What's going on there? Is it just an outward appearance or is it actually their life? Um, I mean, look at, look at Robin Williams. I, I mean, he was one of the happiest, most entertaining guys in America. Everybody loved this guy. And then all of a sudden, just suddenly, he took his own life and it was tragic and it was horrible, but it just kind of shows you that the face that we put on ourselves on the outside can sometimes be a mask. And on the inside, we deal with pain and suffering all the time because that's just what life is. Well, and there's an aspect of striving that comes into it, right? Where we've normalized that you should always be reaching to what's next. You're never satisfied with where you're at. And that's, we, we define that as just an aspect of your life. So we think that's okay that you're, you can be happy like that, but when it comes to if you have experience of that joy that comes from that spiritual walk with God, you can be fully present and be okay with where you're at now, not knowing what tomorrow brings versus what the world tells you, which is you should always be thinking about tomorrow. You should always be going for that next dollar or going for that next social media um, high. And I think, you know, scripture kind of points to something a little different. I mean, there were seasons in my life when I was just not doing well emotionally and I kind of felt guilty because I felt like I had this duty as a Christian to put on a brave face and pretend like I was happy all the time so that people could say, oh, look, you know, Ro, even during bad times, he still has a good attitude because he knows Jesus. And I felt like I had an obligation to do that. And so when I wasn't doing that and I was, you know, letting my emotions get the better of me and I, <clears throat> I was kind of down, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, all the time. I let you season. Yeah, he's, no. he's dying. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm out calling it. Um, but no, I felt like I felt kind of guilty. Just fell over on the floor. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so if you're out there and that's you and you're, you're, you know, you're a follower of Christ and it's kind of a bad season for you, you don't have an obligation, you, you know, always try and make the best of a bad situation. But, you know, if you have a bad day emotionally and you're just, you're not happy all the time, it's okay. We've all been there. Um, yeah. You yeah. this year, Neville? No, yeah. I, I think this, this story in the Bible, John chapter four, uh, it talks about the Samaritan lady mm. who went to the well looking for water to quench her thirst. And then she didn't really realize that she had another, you know, sort of another need that she needed mm. Jesus to meet. Yeah. Right? And so when they have this conversation, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't, do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have uh, given you living water. Right. So this lady was maybe she felt some type of way, you know, she was like, OK, my throat is dry. I need to quench my thirst. And then she's like, OK, I don't need this living water. But then upon meeting Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, I can give you living water. And then the conversation continues. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so that just brings me to, you know, our society where I have this, I have that, I have that. It makes me happy. And the moment I feel depressed, then I'm just going to go back to these sources. I'm going to hit repeat. I'm going to be happy. But Jesus is offering something different. Yes. <clears throat> 
these parties and these drugs, you know, they can sustain this high, you know, they can sustain that, you know, these hormones that make you feel good. But eventually you're going to have to return to them again and again and again. And uh, if you've ever drawn, done drugs, you know that it gets to a point where you have to really increase that for, 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 for the drugs to have a similar effect, you know, to sustain that high. But now when you come to Jesus, this water, you'll actually never thirst, you know, so... It doesn't mean that, okay, you're not happy, but your happiness is actually sustained by a higher source. Well, and I think what stands out in that story is she didn't know. Like, she took that quite literally of where are you going to get this water? But she didn't know that's something that she needed until someone presented it to her. You know, Jesus was the one that brought that to her. She thought her life was fine. You know, it looked no different than maybe some other people that were around her. But um, which is, I mean, so important, so important when it comes to this question where, the friend is agnostic and she seems happy because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you need all the time until that's presented to you. And so I think that just also speaks to the importance of bringing this, keep having that conversation with your friend, keep uh, showing her through your own life and through your own fulfillment of your faith to see that there is something different, that there is a joy that she hasn't met yet. um, And that's only experienced through walking with Jesus. I heard a story or I read it in a book a couple years ago about a guy who was born in a North Korean prison and then managed to escape the prison and then escape North Korea. And then he wrote a book about it. And he said that what he was born in, so in North Korea, you can be born into a prison if your parents or your grandparents um, were considered traitors to the state. So if you- Oh, wait, what? Yeah, so if you were considered a traitor in North Korea, you get thrown in jail, you're, and then two generations on either side of you get thrown in jail. So yeah, your parents and your grandparents also go to jail with you, and then your kids and your grandchildren are born in the jail. And they, yeah, so it's, it's pretty terrible. And so this guy was born in a North Korean prison. He escapes into North Korea, the worst country on earth. And then when he got into, you know, just normal North Korea, he thought it was heaven because compared to what he was in, it just, it seemed so great. And then I'm sure once he got to the free world, he realized how great life could actually be. And so I think for some of us, whenever we walk around, you know, whenever we walk around this world without God, we think that some, you know, we think that it can be heaven at some point, you know, we have good days, we have good, you know, we have good nights and, you know, we get to meet good people and we just, we, we don't have that awareness of life could be so much better if we get to follow Christ. And then the next life is infinitely better than anything we could ever have here. And so it's possible that his friend is in that situation. Yeah. It's almost like wearing a, a veil. You know, we see, I think Paul points to it a little bit in the first Corinthians 13, something that we see <clears throat> dimly a little bit there. We can, we see dimly and Christ kind of lifts that, brightens things up a little bit more. And we're like, oh, actually, life can be so much better. Eternal life can be so much better in that sense. But when you have that veil, that dimness, you're like, oh, I'm living a perfect life. As good as it gets right now, I'm going to be happy in that. But, like, there's so much more. Yeah, and I think for further, you know, to to get more context on whatever you're talking about, I just refer this guy to our fourth episode, you know, hoping Mm. the rock bottom because we really had more discussions. That's good, yeah. Yeah, and how to avoid that rock bottom moment. And so the second question was asked by John from SMU, and I like this. If God loves us all equally, and if God's love is already given to every human being, why does he still want us to acknowledge that he loves us? And does acknowledging that love suddenly grant us special status? Does he love us more once we, does he love us more once we have acknowledged that he loves us? I mean, we are born with this love, and whether we acknowledge his love or not, we will still die with his love, right? Wow. So, quite a few questions in that in that yeah. one question. Seriously, yeah. yeah. Um, serious, serious questions. Because I really, I saw that he asked, like, are we all equal recipients of God's love? 
right? Yeah. And does God still love us even if we don't love him? Or why does he want to receive our love? Those are kind yeah. of the narrowing it all down yeah. in that. Um, I'll start off by saying that um, God does love us all equally. Um, there is, that's just who he is, his nature um, is, is not equality in that, but giving us a sense that he loves every one of his creations in an equal way. We can say that he is our father as the creator, right? So every part of creation, father God. He has a special status with Israel as his beloved nation. He's the father in an intimate way to them. But then also as Christians, we be, as we, when we accept Christ as our savior, we become adopted, adopted into the family of God. And Romans 8 talks about that we are now sons and daughters of God. We are fellow heirs with Christ. So therefore as Christians, we then get a, another special status as sonship underneath that we're adopted into the family. So we have this overarching thing where he loves people inside of his entire creation, and then he loves his nation of Israel, and then he loves his sons and daughters. Now, this love is all equal throughout that, but we have the people who know him now have this identity as a son or a daughter of God. Now, we're going to say that as, as creator of everything, right, he's still their father. So you think about a father who has, you know, a, we'll say a good father, not don't think of a negative father here on this earth, but a good dad, you know, who has kids. He loves he, yeah, <laughs> he he loves he loves his kids. He wants to show them his love. He pursues them. He, he goes to their games. He spends time with them. Um, and even if say one of his sons or daughters walks away, he still loves them. He still wants them. He still wants to be a part of life. Even if they deny him and completely go away from him, his love is still present. Um, they're just they're just not reciprocating it back to him. Uh, I kind of you think of the prodigal son, the story in, in Luke 15, where you have two sons. And, and one son goes away, gets half his inheritance, or gets all his part of the inheritance, which is actually a third, um, goes away, spends it all, and is like, man, I should just go back to my dad. I could be a servant there. But when he comes home, his father is ecstatic. And like, here's my cloak, here's my shoes, here's his ring, kill the fatted calf, let's celebrate, right? So God has this ecstatic joy when one of his children, his creation, comes to know him intimately as his father, their adopted father in that sense, right? He's like, oh, yes, this is the best. Let's celebrate. But then you have the other brother who's like, I've been here the entire time. I've always shown you my love. What's going on with this? You've never done anything for me kind of a deal. And he has this little bit of jealousy uh, involved there. But yet he's always been in that relationship. Um, and so that's kind of looking at for a Christian who's, oh, I've always known Christ or whatnot. And then well, how come we're ecstatic over here? It's like you're supposed to be rejoicing as well that your brother came back to it. Well, and I think there's a difference between knowing that you're loved by God and feeling that you're loved by God. And so, you know, someone can tell you Jesus loves you and it's like, cool, great. I, I know mm -hmm. that in my head. So I, what I envisioned was um, just imagine that you uh, decided to go skydiving. You jump out of the plane and your chute doesn't open. And so you're just falling. Right. Exactly. And if someone radioed you and said, hey, we, we got you, we'll help you. And, but you don't see anything. You know, you don't ex feel that. You don't experience it. You're just still falling. Um, you're not going to feel any different. Well, versus if you see someone literally grab you, take you and set you on your feet, you feel that like, you know, it, you see it, you, it's true. Right. And so I think that's the difference between uh, knowing that God loves you and hearing it and seeing it and reading it versus like, I feel the love of God. And I think that is not an easy thing. It doesn't come just from reading the Bible. A lot of it has to do with doing the internal work, working through um the things that are holding you back from that love. I mean, uh, speaking personally, I, that's, that's a difficult thing for me because um, you have to really peel back, like, can you accept that love? There's a, there's a knowing it and then there's a feeling it, and it's, it has nothing to do with what you bring to the table. He just loves you 
where you're at, who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. He accepts you fully and wants to save you from whatever may make it hard for you to accept that love. And so I think there's a difference between what you may have experienced or understanding what that love is versus feeling it. Well, so go ahead, Neville. So our acknowledgement of God's love doesn't really change how much he loves us, right? No, not one bit. But why still does he require us to acknowledge that he loves us? I don't think he, I don't think he cares as much about acknowledging as much as he just loves or he wants you to love him back. Um, I mean, it, yeah, what do y'all think what, about what that? What Rose saying is acknowledge and be like, God loves me. I yeah. know that I acknowledge it. Cool. Versus reciprocation is I'm going to reciprocate it back. I'm going to love him back. And that has to do with, again, let's go to those earthly relationships with your father, father, daughter, father, son. Man, father's giving his everything to his son. He wants to have that love back. He wants to be, he wants to be in relationship. More than love, he just wants to be in relationship. And that's what God desires us. He created us to be in a relationship with him. And that's... I, I just, I think that when he, when he uses the word acknowledge in this question, I think that what he's getting at is, you know, why do we have to fulfill this technical requirement where we have to acknowledge, like it's a formality, like we have to fill out a form. And I just kind of want to clarify that it's not a technical requirement. It's just God wants us to love him back. And if we love him back, then we have no problem acknowledging that we love him back. Well, I think it's more than that. I think that's what I was kind of trying to get at in the sense that it's, he, it's a gift that he's giving us. And mm -hmm. so if you can read that and be like, cool. Like, what, what am I supposed to take from that? Then you're missing the whole point. Like, it's for you that he mm. wants you to acknowledge it. That usually means that there's, there's a disconnect between knowing and really understanding what that love is mm. and what that means mm. and what that can be for your life, mm. you know? Yeah. Can I, can I address, like, one specific question? Yeah, okay. what up? So in this, in this one question, he asked, I think, three or four different ones. But the last one is pretty interesting to me. It says, I mean, we are, all, we are born with this love, and whether we acknowledge his love or not, we still die with his love, right? Question mark. And I think what he's getting at is why would a loving God send us to hell? If he loves us so much, why would he send us to hell? And there are books that have been written about that. You know, our conversation here in this one episode wouldn't do it justice. But I think the, the answer to that question is God's not sending us to hell. He loves us so much that he's not going to force us to love him back. And if we want nothing to do with him, then he will allow us to go to a place that will remind us of, that will never even remind us of him. And so, you know, one way I've heard it put is that either we say, thy will be done, meaning, God, I want you to do your will in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Or God will look at us one day and say, okay, fine, thy will be done. If you don't want nothing to do with me, that hurts. You know, I, I wish you did, but thy will be done. I'm not going to force you. You don't have to have anything to do with me for all of eternity. And I think that is really, you know, that I, I just want to clarify. I want to take the opportunity to clarify that. I think the question that's underlying that question is why would a loving God send us to hell if he loves us so much? I think the, the answer to that is he doesn't send us to hell, but in his mercy and in his love for us, he allows us to go to a place where we never have to be with him if we don't want to be with him. That person, or we, we choose to walk away from it. The love is always there. We just choose to go the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, and at some point, it has to be our sins, our, our wrongdoings, those have to come to a judge at some point. They don't just always be out there. And then at, we believe at death, we get to be judged for those. And if we chose to walk away from his love forever, then the judgment says, man, you get to be away from me for eternity then. So just to take the role of a devil, it's no, a critic's advocate, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Why is it that the path to salvation really requires us to acknowledge his love then, right? That, hey, you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you because you are a sinner. And then you have to confess. Uh, you have to confess that Jesus died on the cross and then you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from, from the dead. Until then, you will be saved. 
is that an acknowledgement? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're confessing with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then yeah, that is an acknowledgement. Um, why do we need that to be saved? Because I think it goes back to what I said earlier, is that a loving God is not going to force us to be with him. Uh-huh. And so we're saved because we simply just tell God, I want to spend eternity with you because I love you. And then we're saved. And that, that's really all it is. It's it's not a matter of earning it or deserving it or working for it. Um, and so I think that it, it's not like it's a formality, like, like I said earlier, like we don't have to fill out a form to get into heaven. It's it's just about if we want to spend eternity with God, He will let us spend eternity with Him. If we don't want to be with God, then He will not make us spend eternity with Him. Well, and I think an aspect of that is acknowledging your fallen nature, like sin. Uh, if the breakdown of that is anything that doesn't honor, glorify, or please God, um, and I think even hopping back to the previous question of an agnostic person that's happy. Um, there's a lack of acknowledgement of what have I done in my life that is less than perfect. And it doesn't matter who you are. Every single person has done something that they're not proud of at one point or another, even when they're a child. I mean, the common example is you hate your sibling or, you know, someone at daycare when they took a toy that you wanted. Like, that's not good. That's a sin. Um, But there's also like wounds that you may get from other people and then you react differently. And so I think there's um, there's an aspect of that, of whether or not you want to acknowledge that you are fallen and less than, and you need help and someone to rescue you from that. And that's, that's a whole part of it is, um, God is giving you that, that, um, you know, I guess first aid kit that you need to fix those things that have happened in your life to fix your heart and to give you that salvation. And it's whether or not you want to acknowledge that and then fix it, which I think all too often, I mean, how many people don't want to go to a doctor when they're sick? Because I feel the doctor's going to judge me. <laughs> or, or give me wow. some medication of some kind I don't want. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the acknowledgement of it, and it's a repentance with it. Because we can just, I said, acknowledgement. I, it, my definition of acknowledgement is just like, oh, I acknowledge that something's there. It exists. All the above. Kind of like the demons acknowledge that, man, Jesus died on the cross. Awesome for the sins of everyone else. But then that acknowledgement then leads me to repentance, and that's what leads to salvation. Yeah. Is a repentance that says, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Yeah. Um, and there, man, I was thinking of an analogy in my head. I was trying to come up with something, but it's it's almost like, I mean, is, we always use like a murder or something really bad, but it's like, I, I murdered the judge's son. The judge is judging me in that sense. So I've committed some sort of sin. I've committed some sort of wrongdoing. The judge is judging me. The judge finds me guilty, says there has to be a requirement for your action. There has to be some sort of justice for your action. Has a jury, all the above. They find me guilty. My, my punishment is, you know, I'm an eternity in prison, we'll say for a hundred years in prison or a life sentence in prison, a guillotine, whatever it is. And then the judge steps down and says, you know what? I forgive you for that. And I'm going to take your spot. And then I can say, awesome, please take my spot and do that. And I can, or I can come into a relationship with him or I can say, you know what? No, I don't need you to take my spot. I'm actually good. I'm going to go die myself. Right. The judge is offering that for every single one of us who does that for me, for every single person. He's like, man, I'm going to take your spot for you. I'm going to spend hundred years in prison. I'm going to go take the guillotine for you. And it's our option to say, yeah, go ahead and do that. And, and thank you so much. I want to be in relationship with you, man. I'm so, I, I don't know what I did. I'm just, this is amazing. Or no, I'm good. Right. And that's really what God does because he steps in and says, I, I see you've wrong. You have wrongdoings and it's against me, the judge. And I'm going to step in through my son, part of the Trinity, and I'm going to willingly take your position. Wow. And then you have to say, all right, I accept that. Thank wow. you for, for doing that for me. Wow. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you add to that. that pretty <laughs> answer. 
this this uh kind of joke that he wanted to tell that flopped so there's this lady that i liked okay are we seriously going back he's bringing it back oh my gosh here we go it's this lady that i liked and then we get to a place uh in you know there's just yeah we get to a place and she's like yeah not anymore adios muchachos and then i log on to instagram you know and she's having fun and she's happy i'm like i'm jealous of the way you're happy without me blah 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 (laughs) But now thinking about it, God is not happy without us. You know, like if this lady, I give her my all and I give her all my love or all, all that trash. I was young. I was, is that a Bruno Mars song? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I give her my all and then she's like, yeah, no, 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 not happening. But God gives us his all and he keeps, you know, chasing after us and wanting us to be in relationship with him. And he's not... You know, he's not like, hey, I'm jealous of the way you're happy without me. It's like, I want you to be really, really happy. And the way to that joy is through me. And I want to give that to you. And all you have to do is to say yes. It's that simple. Yeah. Mm. Good, good ring back. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I didn't know where that was going. I know. <laughs> it, it turned out right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it worked good. out well. It was good, it yeah. Well. So, uh, Mallory, how do we accept this love that has already been granted unto us? So, um, like I said previously in Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so what do we do to resolve that issue? And God's already solved it for us. Um, so in Romans 6.23, it says, for all have sinned. Um, and no, wait, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, That's 3.23. Yes, it is. Um, so, gosh, it just... Romans 6.23 is for the wage of sin is death. Thank you. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a little bit since I've read that again. Um, but yeah, there's these these very contrasting words um, that are placed in this verse where there's, you know, the word wages or, you know, payment. Um, and there's sin, which is, you know, really anything that you do that is not glorifying or, you know, good, if you want to make it the most basic term. And Everyone's done that. Everyone's fallen short. Everyone can't um, make up for that. But thankfully, God, in this free gift, he um, sent his son to die for us so that we can make atonement for those wages that we have have outstanding, essentially. And in doing so, you know, no matter what you try to do, you know, living a good life, donating money, um, volunteering is not going to you know, fill that gap of all the things that we are not. Um, the only person that was able to do that was Jesus. And so through his death, he literally became a bridge um, for us between our fallen selves and this perfect God who loves us so much. And so through accepting his death and God's love, we are able to cross it and to have eternity. And that's not just something that, you know, this pretty place in heaven that's in the sky and, you know, we go to when we die. No, it's now. We experience that joy and that goodness today if we just accept Jesus. So uh, in Romans 10, 9 through 10, it literally lays it out step by step where you um, confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for you and you believe it in your heart and you'll be saved. That's it. You know, you got it. Um, Yeah. That's it. Like, that's it. That's absolutely it. Just say yes, man. Just stop wasting time and go for it. Your life is gonna change. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm speaking for myself here. Your life is literally gonna change. So do it. Adjust my charges drastically. Drastically, and it's not instantly, but drastically. Drastically, yeah. yeah. Incremental changes over a long period of time. Yeah. Just like CrossFit. 
Amen. Come on, I better say that. Adios, muchachos, beautiful people. Hasta pronto. Oh, stay classy, Dallas. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight at outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.